Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, and welcome to the Digitally Uploaded Podcast, the companion podcast to digitallydownloaded.net. My name is Alan. I'm going to be your host for this week. It's me. I'm back. Back again. Who would have seen it coming? With me this week is Matt. I am. Went from extreme high energy to basically nothing. This is what happens uh, when I don't have enough sugar. Matt, how are you? I'm well. How are you, Alan? I am actually quite wonderful. You know, it's, it's a lovely Friday night. I'm currently sweltering my room because this country does not seem to understand how to build houses that don't retain heat. Um, we also have Trent. Hello, Trent. Hello. But I've got an old English style. Uh, weatherboard house so even though i'm in australia it doesn't retain heat as well so i'm also freezing we're expecting a uh, an arctic blast or something is what they're talking about next week it's going to get cold here is it coming up this way or is it just circling around where you are i heard that well i know it's going to get us so i guess it'll hit you as well you're not that far usually it comes up and then goes to like the mountain bits and snows yeah. yeah. Anyway, it'll be cold. No, I, do, I do love a bit of snow. And cold by Australian also, standards, which is, which yeah. is like a, a warm summer day for you you over there in England. Yeah, it's it's so insane to me. I'm going to introduce the final guest because he's also an Englishman. Hello, Ryan. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello. I am Ryan and I am English. It's, it's <laughs> That's the only defining factor, apparently. That's in my it. Brain. Do you know what? Anyone listening, that's all you need to know. Don't worry about it. Tea and crumpets are wrong. There you go. Yeah, I mean, uh, you're obviously experiencing the same heat wave that I am right now, which is mm. sweltering 21 degrees. Oh, so, yeah. you know, I, I, it hurts. It really hurts. And I'm they don't understand. Our houses, they just they just suck it all up. They just suck up that heat. Known for the heat suckery. Um, it's almost like Alan just manifested another English person just because he was so enraged at us complaining about a small cold snap. And he's like, no, I must make another Englishman to defend me. Yeah, I, I've made Ryan. This is true. Um, that's what I'm here for. I was born for this. I was born yes. for this podcast. <laughs> Yeah, it's like the um, it's like the clone trooper situation. You were made to help me laugh at people being like, "Oh, it's really chilly outside. Oh, how hot is it? it it's eighteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's out there in shorts and thongs the entire day, treating like a buddy party. Shorts and thongs. Yeah, and thongs. Wait, wow. hold on. You, do you know what that is? <laughs> Wait, thongs are not. It's not the underwear. Thongs are the shoes. Okay. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I was picturing the underwear and I was like, and you're wearing shorts over those, huh? Yeah. We Look, do that um, in Australia as well. It's fashion, <laughs> sweaty. <laughs> you know, it probably would help with the heat. <laughs> we call them budgie <laughs> smugglers. Yeah, it's same energy. Same energy. <laughs> and with that, we're going to head to some music really, really quickly. We'll be back right away to talk about the new releases of the month. So hold on tight. I'm gonna go get 
And it is time for the games of June. There's actually a lot of stuff coming out this month that I am personally extremely excited for. So I'm sure there's going to be stuff for other people in this month as well. Matt, do you have the magical list? I do have the magical list. So yes, there are a lot of games we're going to have to run through, which is cool. I do love a magical list. (laughs) I guess. It's just what I needed. More games on the backlog. But anyway, let's run through it. Um, Once again, we're not going to talk about every single game that gets released but looking at the playstation 4 first on june 7 we've got dead by daylight roots of dredge if you're still playing dead by daylight i guess that's a new expansion right the dredge is the killer i don't know what the dredge is but there you go um yet more multiplayer horror funds for you is coming out on June 7. Also on June 7, there's Spellforce 3 Reforced coming out, which I'm quite looking forward to. That's a mix of RPG and strategy. 
and it is coming out on console for the first time. It'll be the first time we have Spell Force on console. So I'm looking forward to that. Um, that's on June 7. On June 10, we have The Quarry, which is another yes. one of those games by mm. Supermassive. Is that the name of the, the developer? Mm-hmm. Supermassive? Yeah. yeah, Supermassive. So The Quarry is basically the a spiritual sequel to Until Dawn, which was the Sony published one back on the PlayStation 4. This one's been published by 2K, but it's going to be basically the same thing. A bunch of teenagers go out into the forest and get themselves murdered. 80s horror mm. style. I'm looking forward to that. That's fun. It's going to be phenomenal. If I mean, I, else I, I, I try and get everybody killed. That's the thing. Yeah, that was That's what I did with Until Dawn. I tried to get everybody deaded, and I was pretty good at that. So I know the goal is meant to be to have everybody survive, mm. which you can also do, but that's not much fun. I don't know if that is the goal, in all honesty, because <laughs> they make some of the most annoying characters that I think I've ever seen in any piece of media. Yeah. Like, if anyone here has played... Yeah, if anyone who plays Madame Madan, the game that made me hate basically everyone except for maybe one character who I killed accidentally. Like, <laughs> that like was it was a game. Yeah, yeah. I really liked Little Hope, though. Yeah, Little Hope was good. Fantastic. I and must then, admit, I quite like the um, Sands of whatever it was, Sands of Destruction. I don't know what that was actually called. The one that was set in Iraq and the desert and... Oh, House um, of Ashes. House of Ashes was great. I quite enjoyed it. Sands yeah. of Destruction. Sands of Destruction <laughs> sounds like a Prince of Persia game. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it would work because, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know. That series is really, really good. I can't wait mm. for their new one because they're just doing Saw. And anything mm. James Wan related or even inspiration from James Wan, I'm just like, yes, get it into me. Yeah, I mean, if you like those games as well, which is the, what's the overall series called? The, um, the Dark Pictures Anthology. Dark Pictures, the Dark Pictures Anthology. If you like that, then The Quarry's basically that, again, just not part of the that series game. as such. So yeah, that'll be good, June 10th. I have uh, uh, I have an interesting quick bit on that. So the who I, who my lead producer where I work at Super Games was um, one of the lead producers for The Quarry, and he hyped this game up to us for about a year. Um and when they finally released the trailer, he made us all sit in the meeting room and watch it and was hyped up like a little child. So that's so like, cute. Oh, yeah. If I feel like I now have to be positive about that game because otherwise, <laughs> Tom King, his name is, will probably come and murder me in my sleep. Like in the uh, glory. <laughs> mm. Yeah. So that comes out on June 10. Uh, also on June 10, Metal Max Xeno Reborn, which is the JRPG series where you're in tanks. That's pretty good, actually. I like Metal Max um, Xeno. This is an enhanced kind of almost sequel expansion, whatever, but it's been released as a separate game uh, on PlayStation 4 and Switch and stuff. So I'll be playing that. That'll be good fun. Um, moving on, moving on, scrolling, scrolling. Zorro the Chronicles on June 14th. Why are they making a new Zorro game? <laughs> that's that's. Okay. I've not heard the name Zorro in, I want to say, 15 years. Yeah, I mean, it was a great film. Antonio Banderas <laughs> really did rock it, but uh, did not think that it was still a thing that people made games about. Anyway, that comes out on June 14. Moving on, if you like so, your Elder Scrolls, there's exciting. a new expansion for that coming out. Uh, Elder Scrolls Online, if you're still playing that, that MMO, then there's a new expansion coming out on June 21. High Isle, which is fine, I guess. I mean, if I was going to step back into an MMO, it would be for Final Fantasy XIV, but I know there are people that are still playing Elder Scrolls Online. On June 21, the Shadowrun Trilogy comes out, which is three games 
that have been meshed together into one package. And um, I think I played the first Shadowrun. It was pretty good. Cyberpunky RPG thing. Pretty, pretty good. I'll, I'll play the other two, I guess. Um, June 24 has Pocky and Rocky Reshrined coming out. Let's go. Mm. I know that some people are going to look forward to a great deal. Um, yeah. Don't think we need to say much else about that. That's one of the all-time great cult hits, I guess. Pocky and Rocky More series. Games or games need to feature that exact type of like a Japanese monster that is the umbrella with eyes. <laughs> yes, that's the yokai. More games that's need that. Cool. Specifically that enemy. <laughs> yeah, that. I, I, I do like that one. That's cool. I do like him. Um, that, oh boy. I can't remember what his name is, but yeah, he's a, he's obviously part of the Hyaki Yagyu, the you know, night parade of a hundred monsters, and uh, he's one of the more popular ones from that. Um, moving on, Tour de France 2022 comes out on June 28. I guess that's when the Tour de France happens. I don't actually follow cycling, but I do like the games. Funny enough, um, I don't know why I like them, but I do. Yeah, I was going to say, like, I've not heard great things about them, so. No, I like them. I genuinely like them. Uh, and I don't know, I just don't know why. It's kind of, it is a sports game, but it's more simulation strategy than sports um, because most of it is about organizing your place, just like in the real racing game, I guess, in the real sport. Um, it's about getting yourself into the right spot and managing your energy levels because you're obviously on a very long cycle. And yeah, it's it's not about button presses like a FIFA game or whatever. It's yeah, it's it's odd. It's a very odd series of sports games, but I enjoy them and I'll play that one. I, and I still can't believe that one JB Hi-Fi review that was like R18 drug use. <laughs> That's right. That is right yeah. because yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is that is also very much true for Tour de France. Um, but yeah, there you go. June 28th. Uh, if you like your horror, you've got June also on June 28, Oxide Room 104. Don't know much about it, but there's a little box art here as I'm reading off the list, and it's pretty creepy. So that's good. And the protagonist's name is... <laughs> that's good. <laughs> the protagonist's name put that, is put Matthew. That on the back of the box. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a bullet point and a half right there. That's good. That's good. Four and a half stars. Yeah, to be fair, that know. is sort of like how old game reviews used to be in like the late nineties. <laughs> it's it's good. You never know. So they might be listening into this podcast, and now that does go on the back of the box. It's like their little their quote from the media. Um, I really yeah. like that. That's how you sell uh, your game. <laughs> we've got DNF Jewel coming out on June twenty eighth. I think that's a cool. game. Fighting game? Yeah, Arxis. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. So that'll be good. 2D, I guess, then. Yeah. Yeah. The best way to do fighting games. On it's June 28th, you've got Phobia, not spelt with a P, an F, Phobia, St. Saint, Dinfa Saint Hotel. I have no idea what this is, but this is intriguing me now. Um, I think it's like a horror thing. It's got cults and stuff. Oh. I like well, cults. Chances horror. are then it is indeed horror. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a it's not a sports game, that's for bloody sure. I should research the yeah. games that I'm gonna talk about more before I actually talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> we can, the most well, professional we can, of podcasts. We need to make up a quote now for the back of the box. How about uh, all right that? <laughs> <laughs> Put that in your Christmas stocking. <laughs> 
June 30, we've got Rabbids Party of Legends coming out. Oh, a new Rabbids oh. game. Cool. Oh, see, see, see I, I, I've read some things about this because I'm like, what? Apparently it's out in China already and has been for ages. So it's like very like Chinese mythology based and it's basically like the old party games but built around Chinese mythology. Okay. Yeah. It seems interesting enough to be a decent Rabbids game. Now, to be fair, the only good Rabbids games are Go Home and the Mario 1, though. But, yeah. And the original Rayman 1, which made so many people mad. That was great. Wasn't it just like a Wii, like, minigame game? Yeah. Yes, yes, it was. But it was yeah. great. Because Rayman yeah. was in it, and everyone was mad because Rayman was in it, and they weren't going to make a Rayman game. Trent, I need to stop you for a moment. The way that you say Rayman is really funny because it makes it sound like everybody loves Raymond. <laughs> <laughs> and I can only just get Ray Romano's head out of my brain. It's killing me. He would make the rabbit's games better. His, oh, his, presence, his presence in the game would, would make them better. It would also yeah, up, up the He would do the, the voice acting for Raymond. <laughs> oh, Deborah, why, why are these rabbits in my house? <laughs> Oh. Live action Raymond surrounded by cast. <laughs> <laughs> but not even like from Everybody Loves Raymond, like current Ray Romano. <laughs> and um, just to finish out on the PlayStation 4, I know it's technically out on July 1, but uh, that's close enough to June. F122 comes out on July 1. Huge. And I'm looking forward to that, I guess. I want to say that it could be good. I mean, this is the first F1 since Codemasters became part of EA. Um, mm. So it could go either way. It could be absolutely ruined because it is EA or perhaps the resources of EA make it better. We'll see, I guess. I'm Fingers sure there'll be crossed. microtransactions in there. There'll be all kinds of card packs and bullshit. Yeah. But it's probably too late, though. I mean, because it only, only oh, I mean, the acquisition was what, like, I don't know, I want to say like a few months ago. Maybe it wasn't, though. I it was like a year ago. Days. It's quite a, quite a while oh, ago. Oh, well. Or okay. longer. <laughs> yeah. Never mind, it's going to be loot boxed up. Yeah, it's going to be loot boxed up. Yeah, you it's get banned in Belgium already. Different different tires and your card packs and. Oh, do you, you, have... you can get a horn that does a like it makes the, the sound <laughs> for Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, you can start making the battle zoom, bus theme zoom for and, Fortnite. Zooming around and making the toots. Um, I, I I don't even know what company this is meant to be made from now. It's got Fortnite stuff in it. It's made by EA. Like what? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So moving on to PlayStation Five. There's games? Think, yeah, this games. Most of the games oh. already came out on PlayStation. Well, we already talked about them on the PlayStation 4 list. So you've got Spellforce 3 is also coming out on PlayStation 5. Don't know if that'll boost it in any way. The Quarry is getting a PlayStation 5 version as well. That's probably going to be better graphics, I guess. Yeah. Um, if you've got a PlayStation 5, then cool. You can enjoy it that way. There is one. Here we go. The <clears throat> excuse me. The Hand of Merlin comes out on PlayStation 5 on June 14. This is a turn-based rogue light RPG in which a Thurian legend clashes with sci-fi horror. Okay, with sci-fi horror. So, what Merlin versus Lovecraft? Okay, you made it. You made it sound good. Yeah, it's probably not going to be as good as it sounds. No. <laughs> I mean, that would be fine, but it won't be that. What really got me about that little conversation right there was just the, no. (laughs) No, it's going to be shit. It's awful. We're very confident about this. (laughs) This this game. 
based off the TV show, the BBC TV show, oh, and then just no. the ending. No, that was good. Can I tell you a story about the BBC TV show? <laughs> so when we went sure. to Blockbuster DVD back in 2006, I went with a brother-in-law and we rented a movie and they gave us a bunch of copies of the first episode of Merlin on a CD drive. Like it was, it was a giveaway thing. And we were like, this looks awful. So instead of using them, we played Frisbee with it and then like threw it into a wall to try and smash them all and ended up having to explain to my parents why there was like shattered glass all over the floor. You made it sound like they gave you a pirated disc. It's like, hey kids, want to see some Merlin? Yeah, it was basically that. It was in a paper sleeve. It was awful. It's almost so, CD. Yeah. It was about it. Yeah. It was just weird. This is very odd. It was blockbuster. That was when they were starting to like fall apart. I don't know what they were expecting. Can we put Moving that on. whole anecdote on the back of the box? Yeah. <laughs> this one time they threw a Merlin CD at the wall. It was good. <laughs> Moving on. Um, Four Guys comes out on PlayStation 5 on June 21. I guess that's a PlayStation 5 version. Because isn't it already on PS- PS5? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's a PS5 version. Right, beans. It's free to play now, so bad. Yeah, significantly mm-hmm. worse. On June twenty three, Sonic Origins comes out. So, oh wow, I actually talked about a Sonic thing. Sonic. Sonic. Did you like so, the movies? No, terrible. Like you know what movies. was good? Ugly I Sonic. Ugly Sonic is the best thing about the Chip and Dale movie. Mm. That movie's great, though. I like that movie a lot. Yeah. So this Sonic Origins has the original Sonic the Hedgehog, Sonic the Hedgehog 2, Sonic 3 and Knuckles, and Sonic CD all together. It's a, it's a collection of when Sonic was actually good, which is about 40 years ago. Hot Isn't take. this the one which had multiple versions and like everyone was like going and like everyone was like, oh, I have to buy this to get this to get this to all the yeah. pre-order content yeah. stuff. Yeah. Oh, right. Okay, that's why yeah. it was the Deus Ex augment your pre order sort of nonsense. Yeah, naughty Seeger. On June 24, there's a game called Madison coming out. And what would you do if you woke up locked in a dark room with your hands covered in blood? So, probably a nice happy game. Probably wash mm. my hands. Players. It's <laughs> the first thing I'd probably do is I'll get the blood off my hands. It's really gross. Uh, and then bury the body (laughs) Madison you play as Luca and endure the (laughs) even name it Luca then why name it Luca August picks I took it play as Luca and endure the brute torture of Madison a demon that forced him to continue a gory ritual stated decades ago making him commit abominable acts will you be able to finish this sinister ceremony are you reading no. it weird or is it written like that? No, that's exactly how it's written. Oh. <laughs> okay. And the little image here on the list is like a claw thing with a camera. Games oh. got getting weird. Games are just honestly just banned <laughs> video games at this point. Fuck it, I, who cares? I, yeah. Um, moving on. F1 comes out in June on PlayStation 5. So the PlayStation 4 version is a little bit later. F1 22 is on June 28 on PS5. So you can enjoy your room rooms on that console. And that's it for PlayStation 5. 
This is where we get to the good stuff because it's a good bloody month for the Switch. It's always a good month for Switch. Oh, you're talking about Equestrian Training, aren't you? That comes out of May 2031. Look, you hit the nail on the head. I love horses. (laughs) I love riding horses. I love shooting on the back of horses. I love horses. I thought you were about to say (laughs) you like shooting horses. I'm like, that's not a thing you do. That's not a thing you should do. Not anymore. On June 1, we have Samurai Riot Definitive Edition. Didn't know there was an earlier edition, but you can get the definitive edition on Switch on June 1. I'm furious they didn't call it Samurai. Why didn't they call it that? Then we've straight up. It's also on on June 1, we've got Pinku Cult Hex Mortis. Oh, hell yeah. Don't know what that is, but. I it's it's going to be a thing. I, did, I thought you said Pingu Court. <laughs> I got really excited. My brain was like, yes. Pingu back. I'd like Pingu back. That'd be fine. Um, yeah. But this is not quite it. There's a girl in a fox mask. And it's an RPG adventure with a girl in a fox mask. Okay, I'll play it. I'm sold. Yeah, okay. Matt's sold. Is this is this um, Alan... RPG adventure, or is this a no? I, 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 it's, I think it's going to be a Matt's RPG adventure. Like the little image here is the girl in a fox mask is also wearing a school uniform. So, yep. I okay, that's a Matt game. I think me. we know where we think we know where this one's going. Um, I yeah. Alan yeah. will pass, but here's a game that Alan will probably like: Card Shark. Card Shark comes out on June two. This is. This is um, a Devolver Digital published thing, and I've been playing it a bit, so I'm pretty sure I can talk about it because embargo lifts by the time this podcast is live. It is exquisite. It's basically a card game where you need to cheat and um, not get caught cheating. So you play a whole bunch of different card games like poker and you do kind of card tricks and all different. It's it's like a whole bunch of different card-based mini games. And in each of them, you need to basically cheat your way out of uh, the, the person that you, you're um, playing against. You need to cheat them out of all their money. And it's got a narrative thing to it. So, yeah, it's really cool. It's really, really cool. I think it's going to be one of those kind of um, hidden gems that people will discover. That comes out on June 2. Moving on, scrolling, scrolling. I'm sure it's June 2. Well, there's a lot of games coming out on Switch this month. Yep, and I'm there's only sc- one that matters. I, I'm still on to June 3, and I'm I'm still scrolling. Um, wow. All right, let's skip to June 10. I don't care about anything else. All right, <laughs> June 10, Metal Max Xena Reborn. I, I didn't know you were looking forward to this, Alan. So it comes yeah, out on but... Switch as well. Again, turn-based RPG where you play as tanks. So cool. Hmm. In Apocalypse, too, because it's kind of Mad Max-themed in a way. Uh, it's cool. It's good fun. People enjoy it. The one that Alan's actually talking about that's coming out on June 10 is clearly Demon Slayer. Uh, that comes out on Switch as well. That's already out on PlayStation 4. That's a fighting game. I'm and so angry at you. <laughs> moving on to June 14. <laughs> no, oh, the one that Alan's... Shit, I will fight you. <laughs> the one that Alan's talking about is Mario Strikers Battle League. That comes yeah! out on June 10, and I'm very much looking forward to that. It's been a while since there's been a Mario, Mario Strikers. 2010. The, was the Wii, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Charged. Yeah. It was awesome. I played so much of that game. It's the only Mario sports game that's good. I don't know quite about that. There are other ones no. that are 
good. But no. Mario Strikers is great fun because it is an arcade nothing, style. And nothing oddly, oddly adult <laughs> Mario sports game. You're telling me that you don't like Waluigi thrusting his crotch into the camera when he scores a goal? <laughs> you don't like that? What's wrong with you? It's the best. Yeah, that game's going to be awesome. I can't wait for it. I pre-ordered it because I'm a slave to capitalism. And and I cannot, cannot wait to play like an online system that's not actually made by Nintendo in a Nintendo game. I'm very yeah. excited. Yeah, we'll play, Alan. We'll verse. Uh, yeah, honestly, yeah. Let's do it. We'll do some versing. I'll do it. I'll beat you up. I'll play as Donkey Kong. Slam. It's the best boy. <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Overlord Escape from the Nazarick comes out on June 16. It's got an interesting cover art, which is why I'm talking about it here. It's a oh, 2D action adventure game set in the rich world of epic dark fantasy Overlord, which I think is an anime. I want no, to say. Overlord was, um, oh my gosh, it is that. Whoa. Okay. Overlord was a Pikmin game, like a, an evil Pikmin game that came out years oh. and years ago. On the right. 360 right. and uh, PS3. And it was really weird and goofy and strange. And I didn't realize that they were going to be making I don't know. Stuff. I don't know if this is the same thing. This might be a different Overlord. Oh, it's very different. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, that's not the same game. I was really excited. <laughs> Sorry to disappoint oh. you there, Alan. Uh, on June 21, Shadowrun Trilogy comes out on Switch 2. So you can play your cyberpunky. RPGs on Switch on the go, which is fine. Four Guys comes out on Switch on June 21 as well, which, yeah, free to play again. Cool. Oh, it comes out in June. I did not know this. All right. So on June 24, AI, the Somnian Files, Nirvana Initiative comes out. I cannot wait for this. Uh. I cannot wait. AI, the Somnian Files was a bit of a um, word of mouth thing. Like it, it kind of got released and there wasn't too much of a splash, but as people started to play it, they realized it's really good. And they started to say, Hey, you should play it. And then other people played it and it's grown into this thing that people really like. And I'm so excited to see what they can do with the sequel. It's by the, uh, the writer of the nonary games series, I think from memory, that's the guy I think I'm thinking of. Anyway, it's got some pretty good, pedigree pedigree behind it and uh yeah that's going to be a hit for me i think this month i did i give you the review key for the first one i don't remember probably you may have you may well have it might have been you actually yes yeah it was good i haven't played it (laughs) i did the i did all the marketing for it but i haven't played it you should i will (laughs) on the never-ending backlog you should it is one of those games that people kind of it's too easy to overlook unfortunately but when people do play it they i haven't heard anybody say a bad thing about it basically um, yeah it was really well received wasn't it That's yeah fun. yeah it was pocky and rocky comes out on switch as well that's on june 24 on june 24 as well the capcom fighting collection comes out which is 10 10 <clears throat> excuse me 10 games uh, another big one for me is fire emblem warriors three hopes comes out on june 24 really looking forward to that that's the Warriors style sequel to Fire Emblem um, Three Houses. 
It should be great. Didn't they already make a Fire Emblem Warriors game? Yeah, but that was more general. That was like the whole series. So it was characters from various games. Oh, okay. This one's this one's like Hyrule Warriors 2, where Age of Calamity uh, is like a, a specific sequel to it to a single game. So yeah. Then we've got Birushana, Rising Flower of Genpei coming out on June 28th. That's a visual novel, but um, a really kind of beautiful one based in history, Japanese history. So if you like Hakuoki, then you'll like this one. There's DLC coming out for Monster Hunter on June 30. Uh, Monster Hunter Rise I'm talking about here, which is uh, Sunbreak. That comes out on June 30. The Rabbits game comes out on Switch as well on June 30. And basically it for switch i say basically it that's a that's an awful lot of stuff like a lot um okay so basically it he says after talking about just the switch for about 10 minutes yeah yeah so we'll run around and get everybody's thoughts about which ones uh people are looking forward to the most let's start with you trent trent tell us which one Uh, you get to play one one One. i'll probably just play rabbits okay cool i'll be boring (laughs) okay (laughs) You're boring. Yeah, that checks out. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. No, I mean rabbits are fun. If you can play a multiplayer, that's generally where the, the the real joy comes with those games. So I'm not surprised. No idea about this game. Who knows? Maybe. <laughs> yeah, could, could be good. Could be bad. But that's the that's the thrill. Uh, Alan. Yeah. I mean, one. it's strikers. There's going to be strikers. I'm going to play so much strikers. I I am absurdly excited for it. I move into my new house on like the 12th and 13th. And my goal is to move in as quickly as I can so I can set my TV up and play Strikers. <laughs> so you'll have boxes around and nothing oh, else yeah, will be unpacked. Oh, yeah, I refuse to do anything. <laughs> nothing else will be unpacked. It'll just, just be you there sitting in like a fort of boxes playing Strikers. It's like the, you know, the bit from Futurama when they move into the, the really nice fancy apartment and they put all like the furniture into this like uh, drawstring like rubbish bag and then Ben just steps on it and turns it into a bean bag. That's me my energy. <laughs> with my own clothes and my stuff. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Ryan, what about you? If you get to play one game and that's it from this month? Um, it probably will be The Quarry, to be fair. Um, yeah, I loved Until Dawn. I like the Dark Pictures games. Um, yeah, it's like also my partner is like not much of a gamer, but he will play through those games with me. So it's like, okay, good. I yeah, the social side of those games is really good, isn't it? It's like, yeah. It is just one of those things that you just can sit down on a couch and enjoy with other people, which is It's which is the nice. best drinking game. Okay. <laughs> the best drinking the game. The best drinking game. game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, and then me, definitely Fire Emblem Warriors for me. I can't wait. So, so excited to... Because I know Hilda's going to be in there. She's my favorite character from Fire Emblem Three Houses, and she hits dudes in faces with axes, and that's pretty cool. Looking forward to doing that in an action game as well. Basically, that's the reason I want to play it. Hit dudes in faces with axes. All the best games have it.
So there are always some games that we always end up coming back to, no matter how similar they always tend to be. There are a few franchises out there that will always stay with you, regardless of how many times that you've played the exact same game over the last, you know, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years even. So, I mean, the most obvious one that we're all going to say right away, sort of the D ends with Innesty Warriors. Um, to put those two together. That's a real brain twist to that one. But that's probably one of the biggest examples. And honestly, I think, Matt, you're probably one of the biggest fans of Dynasty Warriors that I know because I don't think you've ever talked bad about any of those games. I didn't like is... Fist, the Fist of the North Star one. Oh, really? Yeah, that's like the one Warriors game that I gave like a, a three out of five, two or something. So it's still um, like decent score. It was it was fun enough. But yeah, Fist of the North Star on the PlayStation 3 was not a thing that I was that keen on. Um, but yes, I am a, I'm a Berserk a, one, right? The Berserk one was another one that I wasn't huge on. And I guess we can talk about that in a, in a minute. Uh, I think I gave that one a three and a half. So it, it was still fine. I still enjoyed it. And that's certainly the, like the release of a new Warriors game was the reason that we wanted to do this section on the podcast um, this, this month because there is a Tukan Ranbu Warriors game that just came out this week as we record this. And yeah, it's uh, another Warriors game that I enjoyed a great deal. Um, I think I've played like 60 of them now since I got into the series. And I got into it quite late because the first one I played was actually Samurai Warriors 3 on the Wii. And there was a whole bunch of them released before then. And I hadn't played any of them, mostly because the reviews kept saying they were crap and I shouldn't play them. And uh, I wasn't going to play Samurai Warriors 3, except I was given a copy to and told I had to because I was doing game pro at the time and i was like i i like this <laughs> why why is everybody why else being mean to this stuff? game <laughs> why is everyone being mean to this this series i liked it and uh, i haven't looked back since um yeah the, the the lowest i've given is fist of the north star which was a three out of five most of them are much higher <laughs> most of them are like four and a half or five out of five games for me and people think that's that it's enough. like i've uh, been corrupted by yacht money from koei uh, I don't have a yacht. I would like a yacht, but I don't have a yacht. Uh, I don't get money from Koei Tecmo. I just genuinely enjoy the games. Yeah, heaven forbid. <laughs> yeah, I know. How, how dare I enjoy a game uh, or a series? Yeah, it's or, pretty or illegal. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I'm a big-time fan of that series. And it is weird because they, they do obviously change and evolve, and playing a Warriors game now is very different to what Samurai Warriors 3 was, even... 15 what year odd years ago whatever it was and but but despite the fact that they have evolved and changed and kind of grown up as a series there is still something very kind of fundamental across all of them which which hasn't changed too much and that's obviously the the one versus a thousand style combat and you could chalk it up as button mashing or whatever you want to call it but they do keep that same kind of fundamental across them all so the fact that I can play seven or eight of them in a year and still enjoy every single one of them on that level is, is kind of odd, I guess. It can't be that bad then. Well, I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I like playing so many of them so much. <laughs> um, because with most games, I kind of get sick of them within the span of one. Like, for example, uh, I'm not going to need to play another big open world action RPG now that I've played Horizon for 
another decade. <laughs> um, yeah. Kind of tapped out on that formula. I, I tapped out on the Sony formula, formula from just playing one of them. And yet here I am looking forward to Fire Emblem Warriors <laughs> just a week after having just played a Toucan Rambu Warriors. So I don't know. I don't know why I'm so like in love with that kind of that formula. To be fair, though, I feel like at least Warriors games are designed to turn your brain off a little bit so you can kind of just get into the groove with it. There Those is that. Open world games are just, they're just monotonous, I find, and I can't deal with it. There, There is that. I think that that's certainly a thing. Um, the fact that I can play it at 1am in the morning when I finally finish work on a day and, and just use it as a way of unwinding, that's certainly a, an appealing part about the Warriors games. And I think another part of it is I've taken so much out of those games that I feel some kind of I guess loyalty to the overall kind of concept of them uh, because yeah. like Samurai Warriors was the reason I got into Japanese history and after really enjoying the game and the characters and stuff I went and wanted to learn about what what the actual reality of it all was and I've since been to battlegrounds in Japan I've been to a whole bunch of castles read books about all the various warlords and yeah I, I know a lot of stuff now so that game got me into that. And it was similar with Dynasty Warriors that I got into Chinese history, or at least that book, uh, Romance of the Three Kingdoms, thanks to playing Dynasty Warriors. So there is that as well, I think. <clears throat> yeah. It's is interesting as well, because there's such a like a a sneering tone that a lot of people have towards that series as well. When it's like, what do you expect them to do? Make a different game? It's the same game. It's got the same name. What do you want from them? Well, I think it's interesting because that series in particular is quite niche, and yet they still manage to turn churn out for multiple four, five, six of them or whatever a year, despite it being quite quite niche in terms of the audience. Whereas most of the most of the really long running series that get a lot of games tend to be more mainstream, um, I think. So mm. that, that is interesting as well. Yeah, I mean, Call of Duty is the same game every year. It's the same game. Yes. Like so, it's it, aggressively it's, the same game. And it's uh it, it is very kind of mainstream popular because of that. Like they're just yeah, they 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 don't they don't need to evolve it much. Whereas you might say that a Warriors game, well, people would argue that Warriors games need to evolve to kind of appeal to a broader broader audience because they're niche, but they don't, obviously. They still sell to the same people over and over again. Yeah. But what about is there an open world one? Am I mentioning that? Did there that is happen? an open world one. Dynasty Warriors 9. That one did not go down well at all. <laughs> that was a very unpopular one. <laughs> I enjoyed it. Um you could you could go, you could travel across like the entirety of China in that one. And if you just kind of horseback and just rode from one corner to the other of the map, it took you like 20 minutes or something. Um oh. but they what they did with that one was try to it was an open world game, but it was also a Warriors game. So it got rid of a lot of the open world stuff that people like. And I think that was mm. part of the reason it wasn't, it, it just didn't hit home. With, right. It didn't really fulfill either camps, really. Yeah. People who went into it because they wanted an open world game didn't get that. People who went into it because they wanted a Warriors game didn't quite get that either because Warriors games are always focused on like a single battle. Um, mm. And that changed how they had to approach the, the storytelling of it and all of that stuff. So, yeah, that uh, that one, like like I said, I enjoyed it, but that one really landed flat, and they, they it probably did get were, absolutely just destroyed. In they probably will not 
they probably will not be doing another open world warriors game i would imagine battle royale warriors <laughs> i mean that kind of exists next <laughs> oh. wasn't there a like a hack and slash no that's the jojo one yeah it's a jojo um battle royale game that's in arcades only in japan and it's basically that like same sort of combat that... style it's really cool looking but i How can't play it because it's japan how does that work in a battle royale format um it's it just it's just like hit people and it has the same sort of like <laughs> combat mechanics yeah, yeah like right. it's hard to explain without me just saying it's a hack and slash but it's just pretty much a hack and slash it's cool it's like smash bros is a hack and slash yeah it is it is, it is I... odd because like, <laughs> they've never really tried to do competitive multiplayer in warriors games i'm not well how would you balance entirely, it? i'm not entirely sure why they haven't even tried it but they haven't oh, um, i've got a hot take oh it's just a moba <laughs> it's just a different perspective on a moba oh my god it totally like because think about it you're pushing your army and you're taking camps and stuff and that's what the towers are it's just league everything's league of legends in the end and that terrifies me i don't like that yeah <laughs> But anyway, we're not just here to talk about Warriors games. We're talking about like long-running series that we never get sick of. So, uh, Ryan, uh, is there any game series in particular that um, has been around for a while, has a lot of games, but if they had another one that was coming out, you would get yourself excited about it? I mean, I don't really have a particularly interesting answer. I don't really, off the top of my head, I, I don't think I play anything that's annualized. Like, I was, I was thinking about this before, and I... I don't think I play any, I don't think I play literally any series that is annualized, which is interesting. Um, but I am terribly, I'm terribly basic. And, you know, whenever a new Kingdom Hearts drops, I'll play that because yeah. I'm still a teenage boy. Um, and any Mario game, like any like traditional like 2D or 3D sort of Mario game like Call, I'll be there day one. To be honest, like I suppose the, the, the only, not series necessarily, but for genres like, I would sit and play a different 3D platformer or a different 2D platformer or a Metroidvania pretty much every day. Like I could just play them successively in a row because I try and play lots of different types of games. And, but yeah, I, I could sit and play just like 30 different 3D platforms in a row and be fine with that, even if they were all. Even quiet. if they were a cow or the kangaroo? It, oh, don't make fun of KO the kangaroo. <laughs> no. <laughs> Have you played the new one, Alan? No, but I don't yeah, need to it, because I know exactly it what it is. Play it and let's have a conversation about whether we should be making fun of the KO the Kangaroo. I, I mean, I know that I'm going to be making fun of KO the Kangaroo, but I'm also... <laughs> that was a game that like I saw on a shelf as a child and I was like, wow, it's a kangaroo. <laughs> and then I did not buy it because I went and got a good game instead. <laughs> it's like and Jack now and Dexter you're like three, regretting or... it every single day. Yeah, oh, I wish it's in the same realm as like, because it wasn't even made in Australia, it was made in like Poland or something like that. Yeah, it's a uh, it's sweet, sweet. so bizarre. I love it. I love that sort of energy where it's it's got very like bootleg energy. And I well, the weird thing is, I that. mean, I don't I don't know about the original one, but the, with this one, the, the one that's just come out, they don't even try and give it an Australian tone. Like Ko doesn't have an accent, as far as I can tell. That's really um, good. It's That's it's perfect. It's odd. It's just like he's a kangaroo, sure, but he's not an Australian. <laughs> um, it's it's very different to the Ty the Tasmanian Tiger series, which goes all out with being Australian. 
which I find. I guess uh, I guess bandicoots are Australian, though, right? They're they're Australian yep. animals. Yeah. Crash Bandicoot wasn't particularly Australian, so I'll let them off. Yeah, it's I'll true. Let off cow, they got they I'll got to stop. They they got to stop using our animals. Without Actually, yeah. that's a good point. Why is it just your animals? Well, why isn't there a platypus? Want to play, like, why isn't there a platypus KO one? the KO the frog? <laughs> I want a platypus platform, platformer. Although he oh, wouldn't be very good at jumping, yeah. would he? No, well, like just, echo, like, echo the dolphin people. Like a echo the do- dolphin like game, but you're a platypus. That'd be great. I'd play that. And then you I have would, to like, survive to and make yeah. eggs and like eat them and, other and poison people. Things. Like, yeah, I love that they poison people. Hell yeah. Because <laughs> every animal in Australia is deadly, even the cutest ones. And it is by far the cutest of the poisonous animals. Like, I would pet a platypus. I would not pet a spider. So speaking about platypus, I read an interesting thing that it's, like, actually a, um, an animal from the Antarctic or something. Like, like from Antarctica. Like, it's, like, de- like, based off, like, a lineage of animals which would have been from Antarctica. And then it's came up to... Wait, was it the platypus? The platypus or the echidna? I don't know. Well, I think it's pretty sure it's the platypus. <laughs> and a, the platy- this is a reliable story. <laughs> and, and so, and so, the platypus is based off a lineage of animals from a, from Antarctica, and that's why it's so distinct, even in Australian, um, like just batshit Australian like animals, because it's like this creature from like an unknown world. I, I always like the story. I, I like the story about how way back when Australia was being colonized, um, scientists sent a carcass of a platypus to England to research. And the English um, thought that they'd send it up as a joke and they'd actually just stitch together a, a bunch of different animals. Uh, I thought that was that's a that's a funny story. I do really enjoy that. Yeah. <laughs> that's really it's too too weird to actually exist. I love the idea of like it, it's like a Scrubs style situation where they're like, "What is this?" and then it plays like the goofy medical drama music in the background, <laughs> like you know the exact like song that's like, beep, 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 like that sort of energy. Oh, there's there's money in that. <laughs> Hire me Netflix <laughs> for the for the medical drama platypus discovery show. Oh, that's the that's the full title. Well, that'll, that'll that'll fix Netflix's problems. If people if they made that show, then they get subscribers again, for sure. Exactly. Every show a platypus show. Yeah. Real. Like just put them. It just worked them for it. Phineas and Ferb. <laughs> that's the rule I live by. That's how that's that's how I base my life. Yeah. Did that's it why work for Phineas and Ferb? <laughs> that's why House of Ashes was so good because Candace was in it. <laughs> um, getting back on topic, I guess. Um, speaking of platformers, you mentioned. Mentioned Mario, Ryan. Um, yeah. Would you play? I mean, Mario's a bit different. I guess the Warriors one in that they do quite different things. Um, the two D platformers are different to the three D land platformers, and then Mario Odyssey is its own thing. Uh, is it just if you slap Mario on the box, then you're keen, or is there a particular? requirement you have before you'll get yourself excited for for a mario game is like do you only play the 2d ones or no i mean i mean i will play different ones but it's not like oh it has mario in it i'm gonna play it um but all the 2d and 3d marios like i mean you can you could just print three of them out a year and i'd 
how can we play through all of them to be honest even if you know there's going to be some that are remarkable and some that maybe aren't like i don't know new super ever is we quite run of the mill but i'd still play that any day and have a good time and be happy with that um yeah let's let's annualize mario let's do it let's 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 churn out the commercial machine that is mario give me give me super <laughs> odyssey 2 this year they're, they're, they're not that odyssey far. 3 and 4 next year they're not that far away from annualizing it anyway i mean kirby is basically a mario game yeah it's uh, it is it's basically taking the 3d you know the mario land 3d world sorry the, the, that kind of mario game and just inserting a kirby yeah, you get to munch on a car or two. I don't like the well, way you but... said inserting a Kirby. <laughs> I mean, I inserting like Kirby's is, is a good thing in games in general. A bit like platypuses, they should put Kirby's in every game. But They should. Yeah. But it was basically the same kind of thing, I guess. Nintendo's got a formula there, and they're obviously using it, which is good. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I would just play any run-of-the-mill 3D platformer and have a good time, to be honest. So, Yeah. It's why mm. the best 3D platformer in recent years is Astrobot, even over Mario. Oh, I love that. Astro oh, yeah, that was game good. was beautiful. <laughs> yeah, that team had a, had a real um, sort of uh, respect for the history of sort of PlayStation and stuff like that, which I thought was really interesting. Yeah, I, I really like it. the platform holder doesn't. No, not the tech demo, the actual game, the VR game. Bad ride. Oh. Oh, it wasn't a tech demo. The 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 PS5 one's not. Well, I suppose it is a tech demo, but but um, <laughs> it's still gorgeous. It's like three hours. It was pretty it's, cool. It's great. It is it's actually great. really cool. It, it is um, they they really pulled out all the stops to make that use the controller in really interesting ways. We still haven't yeah, seen anybody else do it. a proper Astrobot on the PlayStation Five. No, there isn't because the Astrobots yes, come is. from no, they come from Sony Japan, and we all know what Sony's like with its Japanese studios these days. Mm. Mm. Sad. No. What about no, you, Trent? What's a what's a long running series that you would always have time for? Space Invaders, Tetris, Pac-Man, all the classics. Really, you would play any game that had a uh, Space Invaders thing on it because this. I mean, Extreme was really really good. I, I I would I would <laughs> oh. love a new Extreme. Yeah, Did that'd you be good. ever play that one that was like the PS2 one, but they turned it into a weird, like humans running around on the ground shooting squids? No. Oh what? my god! And it's I'm interested. No, I need to find this game. I, ignore me. I'm going to find this game. Hold on. Sure, it's not some kind of world. <laughs> are you of talking, Wars game? You, are you talking about the the alien one where you kill cows and stuff? What's it called? Destroy our Space humans? Invaders Invasion Day. Really? Ooh. I'm going to search this up now. Are oh, they it's awful. They made them squids. Yeah, it's like weird. But like they're bug oh. squids. Oh, wow. Bug squids. Space. Yeah, this game, it sucked. <laughs> oh, it's called Space Raiders in North America. They didn't, they, they didn't even give it the Space Invaders title. <laughs> oh, yeah, this God. looks terrible. Yeah, it's utter <laughs> shit. It looks really bad. Um, but I know we want to get, it's to get probably back to the playable topic, for the GameCube era game. <laughs> to get back to the topic, I know a series that you would play anything from, Alan, uh, and, yes. and love it. Absolutely yes. love it. Doesn't matter how bad it was. Yes. Resident Evil. Um, no. Because you have I, you have absolutely no chill about Resident Evil, dude. You like them all. Doesn't matter how bad they are. I I do not. I've played Survivor. <laughs> 
that game was not worth playing. Um, yeah, no, I, I would give it a shot. I'd give every major one a shot. Even, God, even six I tried. I gave a red hot go to out of self Is that the giraffe one? Which one was the giraffe one? Al- the Alan's giraffe downplaying one it right, right now. He really likes six. I actually don't hate six. I think six is fine. <laughs> there we go. Like, it's go. not good, but it's fine. That's like, it's very fun. You're, you're way down the rabbit hole when you're defending Resident Evil 6. I don't think I'm that far down the rabbit <laughs> hole. I think it's a fun game. I think people are turning on it because it is so stupid. Like, it is the dumbest game I think I've ever played in my life. And I kind of love that because it's a Michael Bay movie as a video game. <laughs> and it just works because it's like the Resident Evil movies and it's capturing the Resident Evil, like, aesthetic. And that's, that's the thing is, it's actually it. like nothing like the movies. That's what confused me is that they went for this action movie tone and then picked a completely different style of action movie to what the movies were doing. So, so it's like the new movies, not the old movies. Have you yeah. watched the newest movie? No, I need to because I know you really, rubbish. really, really do not need to. No, but like I need <laughs> to see how bad it is. I, look, yeah. my curiosity is going to kill me. Yeah, well, as bad as you think it is, it's it's actually that bad. Like As the, someone the worst who thing loved you the original movies, I feel like I'm going to be very disappointed. The one thing that the movie did well was capture the uh, the house. There's a scene where they run into the house, and um, it is like perfectly recreated the the design of the uh, original Resident Evil house. Like they did that nicely, but you know, it's so movies, confusing to me because the how... movies are lost cause when it's like the one thing that's good about it is one set. How do they? combine all like seven different games into one movie because is that what it does yeah it's no. like the first three mo- the first three movies uh, games rather is in the movie yeah but it retells the story in a way that you can't really see the second and third games in there <laughs> um oh, good the first the first game the, the 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 influence of the first game in that movie is definitely there and very clear uh but yeah the second and third is is not so and they did weird things. They did weird things with Lisa as well. Yeah, that's a shame. They did really weird things with Lisa. Anyway, they always do weird things with Lisa. She got eaten. Remember? Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> to the, the, the little buggy boys were like inside of her skin, going. Hey. <laughs> that was the that was the plot of the first game. So, <laughs> another one. I think that I'm pretty far down the rabbit hole of, and I would defend pretty much any game from I think would be Final Fantasy. Um, I even defend the 13 trilogy. <laughs> so, you know. Um, Have you played, what's the new one? What's it called? Origins? Oh, it's the best oh, one. Oh, I love Origins so much. It's so cool. <laughs> it's it, it's the best one they've made in years. It is so, so good. And they didn't make it. It was Koei. Exactly. I've, <laughs> I've only seen people like like talk shit about it but it interests me i i i need convincing to play it oh no you should okay. play it. see the thing about it is right <laughs> people went into it thinking oh it's going to be like final fantasy souls that's basically what people thought about it and originally i guess they pitched it that way which was pretty stupid but right. once you get into it it's basically a, a piss take about everything to do with final fantasy and souls like it's just taking the piss on every single level and that's great uh it's it was deliberately, it almost seems like it was deliberately designed to offend pretty much anybody that'd be interested in playing it. <laughs> like they're, they're out there <laughs> because everybody knows how, um, how not chill the Final Fantasy fans are. Um, they, to, I think that's to pretty To explain nicely. this for you, 
Ryan, are you the sort of person who looks at like Kingdom Hearts videos of like fans who are just a little bit too into it and you look at that and go, huh? Yeah, that's me. I generally don't like the, the fans. Okay, games, you will like... adore this game then because it's it's that but as a video game and it's making fun of Nomura's bullshit. Yeah, it definitely is. Uh, like, it, It's absolutely subverting like everything. So it'd be like if you were to make a Kingdom Hearts game and go, you know, Sora, Sora lol. And that's basically the concept of the game. Uh, that's what they've done with this one. They've, they've taken the piss out of every self-serious thing about Final Fantasy and Souls. Um, that's interesting. I didn't see great. it as being tongue-in-cheek. From what I saw of it, I thought it was just completely sincere. Oh, no, it's and, absolutely But it ended up being ridiculous. Yeah, it's, yeah. A right. <laughs> it's absolutely... Yeah, it is. It is an absolute shit post. And they, they know exactly what they were doing with it, too. It's not accidental that it's like that. It's right. very deliberate. Because uh, even... Even the dialogue that's like not like Jack saying, I'm going to kill chaos. The dialogue yeah. is literally just, it's people talking in a way that reads like really weird translations of Japanese. And like, like House of the Dead. Yeah. Like there's an entire section where they're talking about like what friends is and how they forget every time what's happened to them or something like that. And it's written in such an obviously like bizarre and inhuman way that like it can't not be intentional because <laughs> like someone had to translate that and Square has enough money to translate things pretty well at this point. So they knew what they were doing with it. Oh no, definitely, I love that. definitely the dialogue was there just to, to poke fun at again, how self-serious Final Fantasy is. And it's, then it's, they do all so these gosh. things to kind of undermine how epic Final Fantasy tries to be as well. Like everybody knows how the boss battles in the Final Fantasy game are these huge things and they're kind of mm. cataclysmic events. And afterwards you have the fallout, which affects you know, everybody. And they have a half hour cutscene afterwards and whatever. Um, in this one, there are literally boss battles where you beat the boss. And then what happens afterwards is literally a five second cutscene of everybody just kind of shrugging and walking off. Like, that's it yeah well limp biscuit plays in the background yeah yeah they do all kinds of right. things like that it's just great it is such a good game it, that is exactly kind of how you take a really long-running series that has a very distinct style and fan base and just say well we're gonna make fun of you yeah <laughs> eat shit this is lame if you think this is cool you're hilarious we're gonna make fun of you yeah that's basically it and uh it worked i loved it uh, yeah, it's wonderful it. also the combat's really good as well like the game doesn't get enough credit for the fact it does play pretty well and it's really in like the job system is really really cool so. yeah yeah it's got it's got some good stuff to it like it's not a bad game by any means it's it's a game that is funny and it's deliberately kind of undermining final fantasy and dark souls and whatever but it's not a bad game that's that's a very different conversation like a game that's just bad is is bad but uh this one is not yeah it owns it's really fun it's just, it knows what it wants to be and it loves it. And I appreciate that on a, like a bunch of different levels because hell yeah, I love when games know what they are and sort of come at you on the same page. It's the same thing, I guess, with like Metal Gear games. Like I, I will probably play every Metal Gear game that comes out, even though I know it's going to be utter rubbish from now on because Survive was the worst thing that I'd played in a long time. Yeah, I mean, if you're um, gonna, if you're still keen on playing Metal Gear games after Survive, then you're pretty much a fan of the series, I think. Yeah, it's hard for me to defend it. Although apparently that new Sniper Elite game is just a Metal Gear Solid game in disguise. So I'm 
low-key interested in that. <laughs> so, yeah, even if it's, like, not in the same series, I will still play any game that says, it's like Metal Gear Solid Five, A very good game that deserved to be finished. <laughs> Maybe one day. No, yeah. the only, only good Kojima game is uh, Death Stranding. Mm. Yes. It's great. Oh. I will play the sequel even if he wasn't attached to it. It's going to be great. It's going to be my jam. Yeah, I don't know about that. If it's not a Kojima thing, then I don't see how you can make a Death Stranding. Death Stranding yeah. without Kojima is literally just a dude walking around. Yeah. Like, that's it. <laughs> it's the Kojima, Kojima stuff that makes Death Stranding a good thing. Yeah, I want to see the stupid bullshit. That's what I'm there for. And I guess that's, <laughs> I want- kind, of, that, that's kind of a similar topic, though. Like, we, we talk about, you know, games that we play anything from. And I, I guess another way of looking at that is I, I would play any game that um, a Goichi Suda or Goichi Suda created. I'd play any game that he made. Yeah. Like, without even blinking an eyelid. Like, I'd play any game with a Nintendo label. I even played the free-to-play <laughs> Goichi Suda one, which was great. Oh, Let It Die was great. Yeah. I would yeah, I, I, I never play free-to-play games, but because I knew that he was attached to it, I was like, yeah, I should give it a go. And I quite enjoyed it. I didn't pay any money on it. So sorry, mm. Sudasan. But um, yeah. I'd uh, I'd play any Platinum Games game, but then I I was wise enough to stay well away from oh. uh, Babylon's Fall. So maybe not. I was so That's upset with that because that, that game has so much potential. <laughs> like there is, I don't know how things happened. Obviously, I haven't, wasn't in the rooms with all the meetings and stuff, but I imagine. Platinum had this really neat concept. They took it to Square Enix and Square Enix was like, yeah, you, you're going to make this a live service game. And they're like, but we don't want to. And Square Enix but yeah, you're going to. And that's, that's basically what happened to it because the game itself, if it was a Platinum Games game and wasn't compromised by whatever business decisions went into it, would have been amazing. Absolutely amazing mm, yeah. game. Everyone says that about because everyone says, "Oh, I bet Screenix ruined that," which is you know fair enough considering what they've done with Marvel's Avengers and stuff, and you know they're very business incorporated. But Platinum Games were like quite openly in interviews saying, "Look, we we want we want to be doing more live service stuff. Like we think that's the future of where our games should be." It's really disappointing, but yeah, well, maybe they'll reassess that now. <laughs> Thank goodness. <laughs> I, I hope so. Um, <laughs> just to make normal games. <laughs> yeah. The company's always just been in trouble. Like, they've always been on the absolute brink of never existing again. Um, like Neo Automata happened, and they were like, well, hey, we have money now. That's good. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to Bayonetta 3, but realistically, it's a niche game. There's no reason that the third one is going to introduce more people to the series. No, I suppose Neo and Astro Chain are the only good games they've ever made. Hot take. How, that is the how least correct thing you've ever said. <laughs> Go play Mad World. Um, Oh, man, oh, yeah, so good. They made Madwell. I forgot about Madwell. That was like one of their original games, wasn't it? It was great. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. Okay, Madwell. Wait, was Ryan. Good. I'll give you that. Did you play Anarchy Reigns? Um, I didn't probably play Anarchy Reigns. Actually, no. I heard that that was one of the meh ones. No, it was um, awesome. It was so over the top and stupid. It I was played the great. Ninja Turtles one. Yeah, and that got really bad reviews. But do you know what? In the same way. And I don't mean to compare them, but in the same way you enjoyed Dynasty Warriors, I kind of enjoyed that game. It was just like I can just shut my mind off and just play it, and it's well, not it was great. a bit. It was a bit disappointing because you could see what they were doing with it. They were trying to take the thing that they did with Transformers and a little bit like the Warrior series, just say, "Hey, you know, we can apply this to any any property. Um, mm. Just give us a little bit of money, and we'll 
do it with with whatever. And it could have been this thing where we have one of those games release every year or two for a different yeah. franchise. And it could have been great, but unfortunately, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles landed so flat, I think that whole concept died with it. Because yeah. the Transformers was there a one was great. game as well? Yeah, there was, yeah. Ugh. Uh, they get all their sort of, I guess, quote unquote, B teams to make those licensed games. Basically, I think I think that the problem. I love platinum stuff. I think the problem is they've never really worked out how to make a business model out of what they're best at, which is obviously like really high, high quality character action games. Um, and they've just never really worked out how to make that work. <laughs> like Astral Chain, obviously, is is gorgeous and you know, in 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 niche terms, did well, but it's not. It didn't do exceptionally well it's not like great we can we're, we're we have hundreds of millions of pounds in the bank now kind of well i think um, i think the problem that they have is basically they make niche games and there's always been that expectation that they punch beyond that and for me mm. they're very different developers but i always kind of compare platinum games to if vanillaware was bad at what they were doing like as a business they would look like platinum games vanilla where you know they make a very specific type of game it's very niche and they're very high very very high quality for and people within that niche like them um, but you don't see vanilla where out there making 13 sentinels teenage mutant ninja turtles edition um, because they don't try and turn but their business model is based around being niche whereas platinum games tries to Go more mainstream, I think, and that's yeah. who they're. Like that's a that's a I mean, bad decision by them. I even think. my favorite Platinum Games game, which is Metal Gear Rising, had one of the most cursed and disastrous development cycles, apparently. So I don't know what's going on, but it seems like every Platinum Games game has some issues in development that just really hurt for everyone, and it's such a shame because. God damn! When they when they hit, they hit hard, and then you end up with Babylon's Fall, which yeah. again, I played about half an hour of that. I tried to get into a game to test out because originally the plan was I was going to play that game with Matt and other Matt who have the you know the, the PlayStation versions as well. The plan was that originally, and then. I tried to get into a lobby to like to test out the game and I literally could not get a game of Babylon's Fall at all. Like it wouldn't even let me start a, a match. It would just say can't find a match. Try searching again. Yeah, I mean which... Matt Matt, other Matt and I, we played uh we played it for a, a couple of hours, I think, and we had a really good time with it as a multiplayer thing. But uh that was just us. Like if we had to get randoms in a couple of times that I had randoms played with randoms. It's just not the same experience. It's not much fun. There was, there was some, the concept could have been good as a multiplayer focused action game set in this kind of world, which was quite intriguing and interesting, but because they then decided that it's got to be live service, uh, the, the focus was shifted to playing with randoms, which is just not much fun. And they stripped a lot of the narrative out, uh, the narrative focus out to push in, you know, the kind of the, the way that live service game, games work in that you need to be playing as much as possible, wasting time if you're watching cutscenes and whatever. Um, so, yeah, if it was a refocused game, if they just made it a, 
action thing where you could play in multiplayer and have a good time, then it would have been great. Yeah, I mean, I, I, do I don't know if anyone here has played the Switch port of Devil May Cry 3, but the fact there's a two-player yeah. mode in that port is one of the coolest things ever. And that's essentially the playing it currently. It's oh. literally what I'm playing at the moment. For the Hell first yeah. time. I Ooh, up, I how are you finding series. it? I'm really, I'm actually really enjoying it. I'm, pl- I'm replaying for the whole series. Um, and yeah, like I in my head, the first, because I haven't played like, sort of four and five. Um, oh, five in my head, it was like, Devil May Cry 1. <laughs> It's probably the best game but yeah this Devil May Cry 3 is really good it holds up like it's fun yeah it's good it's really really strong um have fun with four four is a bit of a sometimes but still pretty dang good and then five is just incredible and the fact that I went back and played five on like the nerd difficulty was <laughs> it's like a sign that it's pretty good because I don't have the patience for that usually I spent four hours on the final boss fight trying to beat it <laughs> Okay, so we've got a special treat on the podcast this month that we've got Ryan Brown from Super Rare Games here to talk to us about indie stuff, because that is something that Ryan is very passionate about. He is the driving force behind the mixtape series, which is now up to number three. And if you haven't seen these mixtapes before, they're excellent. They're basically collections of the most indie of indie games from uh, itch. And you get them on a nice USB designed cassette. And it's a, it's a good way to have a physical copy of games that just would not otherwise get a physical release. And you probably haven't heard of most of them, which is another good thing. You get to discover the more creative side of the video game industry from projects that I would imagine most of which were kind of one or two person developed games. Is that right, Ryan, roughly? 
Yeah, yeah, most of them. There are like the odd one or two, which is like, oh, this is made by 13 people, but mostly sort of solo dev, no budget kind of thing. Yeah. So I've always been a, a fan of these since you since we saw the first one, which was what, a year ago now? Yeah. Yeah. yeah a year ago. Yeah, it's a great concept and it helps to raise the profile, I guess, of itch as well in general. And I would like to see more people know about itch, I think. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, some of the most creative original games of the world are made are uh, just games on the grassroots indie scene, like sites like itch.io. They're the kind of games where genuinely maybe 100 people have ever seen them, let alone played them. Um, yeah, some really amazing stuff in that scene that people just are not catching, really. And it's great um, that... Which is kind of the point. It's great that itch exists to actually make that stuff accessible for the first time because mm. these are a lot of these games are, are games that just would not get a run on steam like the, the, there would just not yeah. be the commercial viability behind it to put them on steam because it could, does cost a little bit of money to put stuff on steam and uh even if they were on steam nobody would discover them because stuff gets drowned on steam very quickly yeah so before itch came along people didn't really have anywhere a centralized resource to go to for these kinds of projects and uh, it's just come along and done that so it's it's a great thing um and it's a great thing that you're doing to to further i guess the the whole itch story and actually make these games kind of appealing to collectors of physical games as well mm. thanks yeah i mean that's kind of the point it really is just about um sort of i guess the three points behind it are to sort of showcase these games and these developers to people that may not have seen them before, which to be honest is the vast, vast majority of people. Um, each of these has like 30 games on them, six demos or so. So it really is just a, you know, hence the the, the, the name mixtape. It is a complete variety of all different kinds of games. So, you know, if you don't enjoy one, you'll enjoy the other kind of thing. Um, and then so also how, to support those developers. How, um, how do you find them? Like, how do you, you must spend <laughs> an awful lot of time going through the itch kind of, daily weekly releases i do it as well because i do a, a wrap each week of new itch releases and yeah going keeping an eye on what goes up on itch is a it's a pain <laughs> to be honest oh yeah but I, I mean to be honest like i've been involved in the grassroots indie game scene since before indie games was a commercial thing so before you know like braid and super meat boy and all that stuff sort of blew up and before then, people were uploading those games on sites like uh, Tig Source, 64 Digits, Game Maker Games, Blog, and all that sort of stuff. Um, game Jolt, obviously most of it's on itch.io now. And yeah, so for about 15, 16 years, I've gone through all of the uploads that people put on sites like that um, and do so still for itch. Every other day, I will literally go on new releases and scroll through all of it up to the point where I hit last. And... After doing that for so long, I think I have about 70,000 games on the site on my hard drive. Um, after doing it for so long, I, just my, yeah, my, I can just, my eye just knows, like, even from the thumbnail, really, like, which ones might be interesting. And then I'll open, like, 100 different tabs and then sift through them, download and bookmark the ones I think are interesting. So I was doing that anyway before Mixtape. I mean, Mixtape as an idea is something I have wanted to do for literally more than 10 years. Um, but obviously didn't have the financial means to do so. And Super A Games already has a big audience of physical game collectors. Most, most of them are physical switch orientated, of course, and it is admittedly difficult to sell physical PC games in 2022. Um, 
but uh yeah with with that audience existing it sort of made sense to kind of do that now um it isn't a money orientated project it is literally a passion project i have not taken money out of the project um we pay the developers because most of them are free games anyway right they're, they're mostly games mm. are already available for free there are a few that might be paid steam games that just sort of have happened um but mostly i'm pitching for sort of free games but even though they're free online and i don't take any exclusivity or anything weird or gross like that um it just would feel weird selling a product and not paying the developers um so we do pay them and then uh you know because it is a passion project and we're not really worrying about profits um which is a, a privilege of not working for a company with investors <laughs> basically it's just <laughs> yeah that's that's that. really cool yeah it's just us so it's like we want to do it and you know as long as we don't lose money who, who cares um we, it does mean because of that we can just actually spend a lot of money to make it a really cool product um just because we can <laughs> so it's like okay we, let's make the quality of the of the manual in there the highest quality paper you can get you know let's have the really cool box let's not just put it on like a tacky usb with a logo on it like let's get this you tape cassette shaped thing and pay to have all different colors made for it and um we pay to have a custom games launch on there so it's not just a folder of lots of games because that would feel kind of like eh, what's the point you can sort of download them it has a custom launcher so it's you know like opening steam up you know it has its own games launcher on there um lots of nice visuals and sound effects and stuff and then i also so when i talk about video game preservation of indie games it's not for me it's not just the game itself it's the story behind those games um and obviously for these really small developers that is completely lost that gets utterly lost to time completely and so what i do is um for the games on the mixtape i ask the developers give me everything you have basically like any awful dumb doodles you did in a lined sketchbook scan them send them to me concept art uh early beta screenshots send me everything and then i preserve that in like a gallery for each of the game on the launcher um, and then uh, I also try and get them to do developer audio commentaries. So just where they talk for a few minutes about the game, where they made it, the history of it, and that sort of stuff. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm, this is my baby. So I'm obviously like super proud of this thing. And um, being able to sort of preserve these games and the stories behind them uh, is something that I think is really awesome. Um, it's a story I brought up before, but uh, like six, seven years ago, um, an indie developer friend of mine was doing a talk and uh, couldn't include one of the games that they uh, wanted to talk about because they didn't have it anymore. And I was like, I have it. I can send it to you and had to send a developer their own game, which is stupid. <laughs> um, and I was just like, oh, wow, like these, this, uh, this scene, like there's so many games in the scene that aren't appreciated and certainly aren't preserved. Um, and, you know, like a lot of the games on these mixtapes are newer ones from itch.io, but I also try and include some that aren't, some that maybe have literally already been lost to time. Um, so Vol 3, which literally just launched, as an example, has a game called Dink Smallwood on it, um, which is a sort of classic PC game from the 90s. Like it helped inspire games like Baldur's Gate and Borderlands. Um, so it is a historically important game that has been you know it's still available online that one but the story behind it's kind of been lost and uh it hasn't had the physical release the 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 new version 
Um, and then on Bowl 2 was a game called Pet Wings, which was a 90s sort of cute shoot-em-up. It was the first shooter I ever played, which is weird. Um, and that game did not work. It hasn't worked on modern PCs for like the last 10 years. Um, and when I reached out to him, he has sort of made a new version of the game that worked on modern PCs for the mixtape, which is awesome. So now it works. Now it works on modern PCs, um, which is sick. Um, yeah. It's all about just putting the spotlight on devs and preserving these games and sort of falls in line with what Super Air Games does in general, really. Um, which are all points that are actually genuinely meaningful to me. And it's not just work. It is something that is meaningful to me. Um, I mean, the mixtape is is uh, not my full-time job at the Super Air Games. Um, it is literally a side project that I do only exclusively in my spare time at home. I don't have the time to do it in office. So it is, uh, yeah, something that means a lot to me. And I hope I can keep doing many more of them. Um, yeah. What, what yeah have, you, I, have you guys played any free indie games? That you I, was, I was going to say, I really like the way that this is a focus on like preservation as well, because the way that, you know, games are being, you know, sold primarily now is digitally. And, and there's such a risk with that where you can lose so much in such a small space of time. Um, mm-hmm. so having like a physical thing like this is awesome and it does look really neat as well. And I'm not just saying this cause you're the, you know, the guest of the thing, <laughs> like it is genuinely pretty cool. Um, uh, my, my itch adventures basically start and stop whenever there's a bundle, like a charity bundle and stuff like that. Yeah. Or yeah. for the horror game, the, in the PS1 horror game demo disc that gets released once a year. Yeah. Great. Like that sort of stuff is so cool. So I actually, I was looking at your website while you were talking being like oh (laughs) (laughs) like that's cool as hell i love that sort of stuff it's really interesting again because you know it's so easy to miss it's so easy to miss everything that comes out because there is so much that comes out and it's sort of Mm -hmm. like where do you even begin because i like to think of myself as fairly savvy with that sort of stuff but even i look at itch and i'm like oh oh that's a lot yeah (laughs) I mean, that's part of the thing as well as like discoverability. Not only are these games the small on the really small scale, you know, the properly grassroots, but even on that scale, H2O is an amazing platform. It's not as algorithm heavy as something like Steam, so it is easier for discoverability, but it's still hard. I mean, there there is there are hundreds of games released on there every week, um, and you know, everyone's the featured ones are just the more recent ones. So discoverability for games is tough. It's really really tough for for indie developers. <laughs> And so I guess part of the mixtape is the fact that it is it is curated already. Like people, you don't need to go and look to see which games are quality and try them out and work it out. They're handpicked, they're done. Like the, these things, you know, they're going to be really varied. They're going to be all over the place in terms of genre and art styles. Intentionally, I try and not include too many of any one genre or any one art style. And it's kind of like, cool, these are quality games. Like, these are the games that deserve to be in a sort of physical package, basically. Um, and obviously that's very sort of PS1, PS2 demo disc vibes, which I really like. Um, yeah, and in terms of preservation, like I give copies of this to museums. So there's the uh, the Strong Museum in New York, the uh, the Computing History Museum in Cambridge, UK. Um, and then there's uh, a video game preservation project called Hit Save. So all those, they always get a copy just to make sure that they're preserved and archived and all that lovely sure. stuff. I mean that's the thing. If not that it, not that you know, uh, there's any indication that it will happen. But if uh, if itch were to go, then mm. that's a lot of stuff that goes <laughs> with it. Um, oh, yeah. Stuff that's only kind of been released on itch. Um, 
So yeah, yeah taking a best of. I mean, I don't want to say best of because I don't think that's what you're trying to do, but taking a collection of notable games from each and making sure that mm. they do have that ongoing um, survival is a really good thing that you're doing as well. To say it in the wankiest way possible, you've created an amuse bouche <laughs> for video games. Uh, Gosh. God. Have you, have yeah. you, I mean, this is now we're talking about stuff that I, I think a lot of people on the listening to the podcast won't necessarily um, know much about, but mm-hmm. I, I know we've had this conversation in the past. I, I know you're aware of the indie apocalypse thing that happens every mm-hmm. month as well. The, there's a guy there yes. that collects, uh, collects about 10 games from each, which are also like the hyper niche, the, the, the smallest of the small games, collects them mm-hmm. into a, a monthly bundle of sorts, puts a nice little kind of, uh, launcher on them and throws in a digital zine as well which you know interviews the developers and and does that preservation thing or does that kind of communication thing that you're talking about earlier have you considered doing something with them like working with with that guy to maybe do a physical indie apocalypse kind of thing uh i haven't but i mean i super appreciate what they do um you know anyone that anyone that does anything like that and is putting the spotlight on indie devs is it's a big thumbs up from me. Uh, no, I haven't yet. Potentially could be uh, quite interesting. Um, yeah. For me, it's just like, I, for, even for the, in regards to Mixtape, I literally have a spreadsheet and it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of the games I still want to preserve on these things. So um, it's, I mean, I will run out of time. <laughs> I'll, I'll be an old man and be like, ah, oh, there's still like thousands of games I wanted to preserve and didn't. Um, but the hope is I will get to, I don't know, volume 71 and then maybe call it a day or something um <laughs> you you mentioned uh, that you were i know you've mentioned in the past that you you might consider doing themed ones down the track as well mm-hmm. um any any particular genres you think would work best for that i mean just from what i know about itch or from my own experience with, with itch there would be uh a good argument to say that uh individual novels would be something worth collecting together mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so I, I say this with obviously, I this isn't in the works. Please don't act as if this is an announcement. Anyone listening, um, but uh, yeah, I've had the idea of sort of the most obvious one to me is to do sort of maybe a horror themed one. Oh yes, horror um, too. Yes, lots lots of horror on it. Yeah, so it's so big as you know the haunted pierce one thing. Lots of low poly horrors and stuff. Mm-hmm. And that could be like a Halloween edition, I suppose. And that's sort of, if I were to do themed ones, that's probably the first one I would do. But yeah, visual novels, that's obviously, uh, you know, that has a big crowd behind it as well. Um, that would be a really good one to do. I was thinking of maybe doing sort of, I don't know, like an LGBT themed one. And then any oh, yeah. little bits of profit there is, give that to charity or something. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's the theme thing is just sort of, A, it's kind of really cool. And I think it would be a really cool way to sort of appeal to people be and be completely transparent part of it is just necessity um i've had a lot of comments from people saying i can't buy like volume two volume three because i didn't pick up volume one which sold out really quickly Hmm. um and they're like oh i didn't because i didn't get that one i feel like i don't want to start volume two which is a shame obviously because it's not you know it's not like it's a sequel is it um but i guess just the number being in the name has sort of really held people back a bit so I think having themed ones would be a really good way for people to sort of jump into it because there wouldn't be sort of, you know, volume four or five or whatever. It'd just be called Super Mix 8 Halloween edition or Super Mix 8 visual novel collection or something, you know. Um, 
so yeah that's uh I'm, I'm almost certain that i will probably go down that road um next year for next year i mean i also i don't want to overwhelm people with everything we do at super rare games we're very considerate of not releasing too much um like we don't want to again we don't have investors in all we need to earn more money like we all get we, you know we'll get our wages every month we're fine with that we don't need or want to be billionaires um so it's like we had, i think we released like 21 switch games at the moment that's a pretty good balance i don't think we'll ever raise much more than that because who the hell can buy more than that a year you know hmm. um and then even with the mix saves it's like at the moment my plan is four volumes a year and that's it like if i do the themed ones that wouldn't be in addition to that it would be in sort of instead of the numbered ones um i think four you know one every three months is more than enough um probably too much for some people um so yes yeah here's here's a here's one that you might here's a concept for you uh what what if you were to do a a collection of game boy games that would be pretty Mm. cool and you could put it on a game boy cartridge Yeah. Oh, well, that, I mean, that would be cool. And see, that's uh, that's interesting. I mean, I, 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 that'd be tricky because we have such a good relationship with Nintendo and everything uh, we do has to be very yes. official. It'd be tricky. I couldn't call it like Game Boy Edition. I couldn't do that. Um, so that might be a bit tricky. But um, in ge- it's a good point, actually, because a comment I get a lot is, why isn't this on the Switch? Because obviously our audience is so Switch-orientated. Mm. Uh, most people that collect physical games at the moment are on the Switch. like That's the platform to collect physicals for. Um. And uh, they're like, well, I would pick up the mix save, but I don't buy physical PC games, which is fair enough, because who, who does nowadays, <laughs> you know? Um, but it's just like, uh, in an ideal scenario, this would be a Switch thing, because that would be amazing. But also, the cost of porting 30 games. <laughs> um, well, especially is... when I would imagine a lot of those games, the developers actually haven't thought about console releases themselves so there'd be a lot of work from them to from their their side of things to actually exactly i mean many of them wouldn't know how to port to switch and we we have people that can do that but the the cost of porting like 30 games switches it is i I mean i'd have to sell like thirty thousand copies of it to break even sort of thing like it it makes no sense um it isn't possible the only scenarios where it would be possible is if it was just like super mix safe switch edition it was like four games instead of like 30 and then that kind of removes the whole point of it i feel um uh yeah it's the like one of the big things about it i guess is having having that big collection of games that you you Mm. take out of the box and you just kind of experiment with them you know You, you just kind of mess around with all this stuff that you've never known existed and yeah, you're probably not going to like every game on it, but in buying 30 or so, that's pretty safe bet that you'll like one or two of them as well, like really like one or two of them as well. So, yeah, you, you do need that kind of large number for this concept to work, I guess. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and also, in that large number is also just because I want to spotlight and highlight and preserve as many of them as possible. Um, I originally wanted to do 50 games per volume, but um, you know, a it's a lot of work. <laughs> like <laughs> I, I basically sign 160, 180 games a year through Mixtape, and obviously that has its own process, contracts and all that sort of stuff, and conversations, and then I have to build it all out on the launcher and test everything, and, and you know, it's a it's a it takes me probably about 200 hours to make each volume. It's mm-hmm. it's a lot of work, so having that many games would be tricky. Um, 
but also because I want to pay them. <laughs> like, I, it, it's 30 because that's about what it can afford. Um, yeah, but there is um there is actually some that did something a bit similar for the Switch. I'm going to give them a little shout out. There was a there was a thing called the Short Games Collection, um, which took free itch games and made Switch ports out of them. And you know, like hats off to them. I mean, that's obviously something over the. Why I have not heard of this. Is that when was that released? Like last year. Um, I, I didn't get very much attention, but um, it has like I think maybe four games. Maybe it was like four or five games. In, it's just a digital thing, digital collection called Short Games Collection. I'll have to and check that really out because sick. yeah, I, I missed that. Like yeah, I watched really I watched cool. the Switch store pretty closely, and even I missed that. So I didn't. Yeah, realize I don't know if they're planning on doing another one because again, maybe. I, I know through my work that how much like porting and, and all that stuff costs and then you've got the QA on it and you know it's, it's, it's a lot it costs a lot um, so I don't necessarily know whether they're doing another one but that was a cool thing um, and some of this, you know actually one or two of the games that were on that I'd actually also already signed for the mix save um, but you know the more the merrier in terms of eyeballs getting on those awesome games um, so that's a cool thing Anyone that's doing anyone that's doing anything similar to this is uh, gets a big thumbs up for me because that scene is incredible. It needs more eyeballs on it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, bit of a tangent. Did you ever hear of about the uh, our super rare shorts thing? I feel this is a thing that anyone listening, if they 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 might not know what that is, but they probably did see it. Um, because there was a backlash. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, we were, I'm pretty sure I was participant in that backlash. I must admit, I must right. apologize to the, you, you. I was listening, listening amused by um, the thing that it was controversial for. So all credit to you for stepping back on that. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's and again, it's something I'm more than happy to talk about transparently because I find the whole story behind that like super interesting. And I suppose I haven't spoken about it um, you know, publicly and stuff yet. Um, but yeah, I guess for context, like Super Rare Shorts was a thing we were doing at Super Rare Games where we were releasing um, a game physical only on the Nintendo Switch. Um, and we started off that collection with a game called Heaven's Machine. And we ended that collection with a game called Heaven's Machine. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the which is a you know really cool game. It's a really cool game. But the idea behind shorts for us um, was, you know, there's loads of these again, sort of following sort of what we were speaking about with mixtape and the itch formula. Is there's so many games on the indie scene that just do not get attention, and also funding because when we're talking about indie published, even indie publishers, not even like your Activisions, but your indie game publishers. Um, they're still looking for much higher scope than you would think for indie games. Like if there's an indie game that's, you know, they need like, I don't know, 10, 20, 30, 40K to finish their game and release it. That's generally considered too small scope for a lot of publishers, you know, they because they need, it's not just about how much money they're giving them, but also about, well, we're putting all these resources into this and we're only saying that it's going to sell a few thousand copies. What's the point, you know? Mm. Um, and that's a shame because that means there's so many great, great, great ideas out there that just don't ever happen and so our idea behind super Rare shorts was we can give you know these these I, I mean 30 40 50k isn't small but in terms of game development it is we can give that amount to indie developers have them create these sort of much smaller scope ideas which is what we meant by shorts not that it's short in playtime 
um, but just it's short, it's like small scope ideas. And then have them do that and then know that it will sell through this physical version. I guess what we didn't think perhaps initially was, which is really silly because obviously I am legitimately about pro-preservation. So is the company, that's not a, a, a gimmick. That is something we, I and we legitimately care about. Um, but obviously it not releasing digitally on the Switch, which is a very new and novel idea. Like every, every game comes out on the eShop, right? Um, this was physical only, it wouldn't be on the eShop. What we hadn't considered, of course, and immediately as everyone mentioned it, it was like, ah, of course, like we should have thought of this, was, um, well, that's not very pro-preservation. If, if you're saying you're going to make 3,000 to 5,000 copies of a physical game and that's not available to anyone else who didn't pick it up. And it's like, ah, yes, <laughs> good point. Didn't think yeah, that one through. Yeah, I guess that's the thing. Like, um, obviously, there are people out there that, that uh, do like their collectibles and like having a big you know, library full of physical copies of games and stuff. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, trying to trying to push people into that was, I think, the thing that soured at least the people I was talking to and myself. You know, pushing people into that soured them a bit. Like um, most of the games I buy these days are, are digital, and I prefer mm. that in sure. in a lot of ways. So yeah, I mean. The, the concern I had with that concept, which I, I totally appreciate the desire to help indies and to, to get these kind of projects out there when they might not have been viable otherwise, or they wouldn't have been viable otherwise. That was, mm-hmm. that was great. But for, for people like me, the game was simply not going to be accessible. Um, even if I mm-hmm. was, you know, quick enough to, I, I was in a place where I could have bought the physical copy um that's not the way i like to consume uh, a lot yeah. of games that i play so that was um that for me that that was kind of the underlying thing that that caused my opinion piece <laughs> when i wrote yeah. it and, so and to be fair that was the opinion of like most people like it, you know that most people we were the twitter bad guy for the day it was really <laughs> you day. definitely were the character um, of the day <laughs> <laughs> but it was you know it was a shame because i guess in a weird way, we were so focused on why that was good for developers, because it is, that's an amazing opportunity for the indie developers, an incredible opportunity for them. It's, and it was money up front. It wasn't revenue share. It was just, here's, here's this money. We know we will sell the copies. Here's the cash. You, and, you know, th- that's, that's an opportunity that just doesn't exist for indie developers. And we were really passionate about the fact that, you know, it's not that we're taking a game that already existed and locking it behind a physical version and now it's not accessible to anyone. The game would literally not exist without us doing it in that format. That was the point of it. It was that the, you, these are not games that we're now taking and hiding behind some weird exclusivity. The games that you would never have seen because no, they weren't going to be funded. It wasn't going to happen. Um, so every, you know, every every reason for us doing Super Restaurants was came from a good place, genuinely a really good place. It was something we were super passionate about. And much like everything else, it wasn't something we cared that much about in terms of money. Like we we get, you know, our wages are paid for by the physical, normal, the normal physical releases that other company. Everything else is just we're doing it because we're passionate about it. Um, and so, yeah, but, uh, you know, the, 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 the backlash made sense. We literally the, the the same day we went, oh yeah, how do we fix this? It wasn't about there was at no point did we go, let's defend this and knuckle down and go, no, it's physical only, you were wrong. That didn't happen. Immediately we were like, oh yeah, gosh, we didn't think about the fact that, you know, after we sell the physical copies, it will be lost to time <laughs> because it won't be available in the digital format. And so we we immediately combat that. It's like, right, it's 
we opened we we opened the pre-order window for a bit longer than I think we initially had. And we decided that okay, the game will release on digitally on itch.io because as a DRM-free platform, it sort of sticks to what we the idea behind what we wanted to do on in, in switch terms. It means that that dev can sort of be funded and, and be secure, but it is available on itch, DRM free, and so you don't need to worry about it. Um, the idea being that we release it like six months later. So Heaven's Machine, we are still feeling that commitment, and that's going to come on itch uh, very very soon. We're literally sorting that out currently, um, which is cool. Um, but yeah, you know, the idea didn't work out how we wanted it to. We sort of since realized, okay, now that we have our own digital publishing label as well, Super Originals, it's kind of like, okay, if we did believe in a game, we could just also release it digitally, <laughs> you know? Um, so um, yeah, Super Super Air Shorts is, uh, is is no more. We have no we have no more plans to do with that. But it's, a, you know, we were passionate about the idea. I have no regrets on it. It wasn't, um, you you know, it wasn't from a sometimes. place of malice. Yeah, if, yeah, if you're not trying, if you're not trying things, things you know, um, and if you're not willing to, to I guess have things not work sometimes, then you don't get to exactly. you you don't you don't get the creativity when they do work, and I guess that's kind of the 100%. that's the whole thing. That's the beauty about the indie industry that it's people are trying things, and not all of them work, and that's okay. You know, having having that willingness to fail is just so important to the creative process. And that's one of the reasons I, I, I love the indie space so much. It's because mm -hmm. the the bigger the budgets get, the less risks you can take. And uh, yeah. the, the more insular the industry gets. You know, if we, if we didn't have the indie stuff, I wouldn't be playing video games, to be honest, because yeah. it, it's just the same idea regurgitated over and over and over again. It's You've got to go onto each to find stuff where people are doing things differently. And uh, mm. that's, I guess, that's the thing I love about mixtape as well. And what you're doing with that is, is finding ways to, to introduce more people to that kind of creative risk. And yeah, hopefully mm. you do get to make another 72 of them. <laughs> I hope so, yeah. I mean, the, the, the joy of those, of course, is that all those games were made without a budget and without any sort of commercial aspect in mind. And when you remove that constraint from developers, when money isn't an issue, when profitability and audience um, sort of appeal isn't an issue, you just get the weirdest, wackiest shit. Like you just get some really amazing ideas that just wouldn't work in in, in a commercial space, um, but that are very valid sort of artistic ideas. You know, I include a lot of games on the mix stage that 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 are more, I suppose, standard genre, you know, platformers and stuff that's you know that are just really good examples of those genres in an indie space. But then some games that are just weird and that you wouldn't you wouldn't find in a commercial commercial sense and they're even quite difficult to sort of explain and to put into sort of a genre box um you know there's one game uh, on the first volume a game called detritus which is just like a, a little museum that loads in all the pictures from your desktop and displays them as art pieces in a gallery and you go around and look at them and that's the whole game like mm. you couldn't sell that like you that wouldn't that, no one's gonna buy that if it was on steam yeah, exactly. but it's a really cool sort of interesting little idea and you know you might only go on it and play it for five ten minutes and go oh that was cool but then that's fine like yeah if you play it for five ten minutes and never play it again perfect brilliant that's i mean you had an interesting little time yeah the mixtape really is that it can sort of supply those games and it can have you know there are some games on that are hours and hours long but there are some that are just five ten minute experiences mm. um and yeah i love all that stuff like <laughs> The, yeah, the, absolutely. You know, I absolutely adore that sort of stuff. Um, there's some good stuff out there. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Well, 
yeah, like I said, best of luck with it. I'm sure now that the the third one's just out there, you can still get your copies while while it's there. Make sure you're quick because they they do they they do have the capacity to sell out very quickly. There's what two thousand of them or something is available. Yeah, two thousand yeah, copies. Two thousand. Yeah, yeah. So get in early if you're listening to this podcast and uh, want to to see what these mixtapes are about. I certainly recommend you check them out because. Like we've been saying, you will get stuff on there that you just wouldn't have ever played otherwise. Um, on that note, we'll uh, we'll head off. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast, Ryan. It's been an absolute treat, and uh, always there to always keen to talk about indie stuff. Especially, it's mm. definitely something we're passionate about on DDNet as well. Uh, thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, thanks, Alan and Trent, who didn't get much of a chance to ask questions through <laughs> through that, but. Um, <laughs> They are still here. Yes, yes. Um, I am here. <laughs> That's just listening to me like, hmm, nice, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah thank, thanks uh, for, for being on as always. And thanks to everybody who tunes in to, for listening to us rant and rave about random things. Uh, we'll be back, obviously, next month. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, sound out and catch you next time. Bye.